Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Amen. Well, this is really exciting to be a part of the Global Mission Sunday at the Life Church. And Sister Nix and I are very, very excited to be officially and formally and permanently here with all of you here in the Life Church. Amen. Amen. And I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share with you a little bit this morning about life on the mission field. And I can truly say that it is exciting fulfilling the call of God. One of the favorite verses that I have enjoyed for the better part of my life comes from Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. And it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I believe that, and I have firmly believed, and I've taught it and preached it and said it everywhere I've gone, that there is a path for each one of our lives. So when we trust the Lord and we acknowledge him, life becomes an incredibly exciting adventure. Amen. And I'd like just share a few things with you this morning and kind of like make a little trip down memory lane, if you will. I remember uh, we hadn't been in Nicaragua too long whenever uh, we got an invitation to visit this church called Posa Azul. And every time I think about the trip to this church, a verse comes to mind, and that was Proverbs 40, uh, Psalms 46, 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And that verse got very real and personal whenever we made this trip to Posasul. Now, Sister Nix didn't go on this particular trip, but I did have uh, several other pastor friends that went with me to show me how to get there. And so we traveled several hours up into the northwest part of Nicaragua, and we got as far as the highway would go, and, and we turned off the highway onto this I guess you would call it a road. (laughs) It was rather a difficult, bumpy, dirt rock-like road. And and so we went in as far as we could go, and it kind of ended. And they said, okay, this is where we get out, and we start walking. And... And it wasn't just, you know, like, well, okay, I got my Bible and I'll just carry my Bible. No, we had a PA system. We had a piano. We had speakers. We even had a portable generator because there was no electricity up there where we were going. So we had light, light bulbs and stuff that we were going to, you know, do it up nice and have lights and everything for this service. So they had folks there and I said, well, how are we going to carry all this? No, no problem. It's just on our shoulder. And they literally did. <laughs> Guys were carrying these huge speakers. Another had the sound system. Another had this. And, and two other guys grabbed the generator and literally carried it. And we began to hike up the side of this mountain to get to the church place. And so I said, well, how far exactly is it that we have to go to get to this church. And they said, in Spanish, they said, ahí no masito. And that literally means, well, just right over there. <laughs> well, I learned quickly in Nicaragua, when they say just over there, <laughs> in this case, that was two miles. <laughs> 
just right over there. But we finally got there and we, we got everything all set up. We hooked up the generator and we strung light bulbs all around the area where we was going to have service and set up the keyboard and set up the sound and all of that. And we began to have church and folks, God began to pour out his spirit in that service. It was amazing how the people just sang and they worshiped and they got all excited and they responded to the preaching of the word and the Holy Ghost fell in that place. And everybody, they were so excited, nobody wanted to go home. And so I think we dismissed church three different times before we finally ended church. Everybody was excited. God was happy. We were happy. But the devil wasn't too excited. And he had a little surprise waiting. So we took all that stuff down and we packed it all up. And we carted it the two miles all the way back down to the car. And we got into our, our move the mission vehicle. And, and thankfully it was a four wheel drive type vehicle. We got all that in. We loaded all our pastors and we all got in there and we started heading back. And we got partway down that old, difficult, burnt uh, terrible road. And all of a sudden I saw in front of me, there's this big pile of rocks just piled up right in the middle of this road. I go, what in the world? That wasn't there this afternoon when we came in here. And there's no other way to get out. We had to get around it somehow. And so I stopped and I was going to climb out and see if there was some way to get around this big pile of rocks. When all of a sudden, just before I climbed out of the car, one of the pastors sitting beside me saw and the little head peeked out beside this pile of rocks. And he said, oh, Brother Nish, this is an ambush. We got to get out of here now. Don't get out of the car. And I go, oh, God, what are we going to do here? You know, that verse came to mind. God is a very present help in trouble. And I said, God, I think I'm in trouble here. <laughs> we got to do something. Thing we popped that thing into four wheel drive and began and it leaped out across this ditch into a cornfield and we're racing these and a whole gang of people started chasing behind us with machetes. Oh God, are we going to die here? Are they going to catch us? <laughs> because you know I'd heard stories. You know they catch you. You know they're going to take the car away from you and they're likely going to kill you or something. <laughs> oh God! But you know what? God was with us and they never caught us. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, we were weaving and chasing and going down the cornfield. And I don't know how much cross we, dis- we destroyed, but <laughs> somehow we got away from them. And then God was with us and they helped us. God was a very present help in the time of need. Hallelujah. I, I tell you, when you're living for God, when you're involved in serving the kingdom, exciting things happen. <laughs> Would you believe it? that a couple of years later, they invited me to come back. <laughs> I says, come on, guys. <laughs> Are you, really? You know what happened? No, don't worry. There, you don't have to go that way anymore. We have a different way to get to the church. And you can get all the way to, you can drive right up to the church. <sighs> I said, okay. You know, glutton for punishment and all that. All right, I'll, I'll go. And so back we went to Posasul again, visiting the same church. And those guys, they did the same thing again. Nobody wanted to go home. We, we had the first service and they said, you know what? We're going to turn this into an all night prayer meeting, all night prayer meeting mar- church marathon. <laughs> so the second service is going to start. Now I says, folks, I am, I'm just, I'm wiped out. I, I am so tired. It was like 
11 o'clock at night and they were gearing up for another service. And said, well, you know, I think I need to go back to Managua and sleep in my own bed tonight. He said, you sure? You don't want to stay for the second service? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. But you can find your way home, right? This is before cell phones and GPS and all that good stuff. <laughs> I says, yeah, don't worry. When we came in this afternoon, you know, I, I had a little piece of paper and I kind of wrote down all the turns that we made getting here. So I think I'll be fine. And so I, I climbed in the car and it was very dark. I mean, really, really dark. The moonlight wasn't even getting in through all the tree branches and stuff in there. And it, be, it was winding, twisting roads and branches and forks in the road and crossed the stream and went around this way and turned there. And, and I thought I was following this little map that I had made, but nothing was looking right. And by the time I crossed the same stream and passed this same big tree twice, I thought, you know what? I think I'm lost. And, and this went on for several hours, round and round and turning here and trying this branch and going this branch and, and nothing was working, couldn't find the highway to get out of this forest, a mountainous forest like. And, and I kept looking, the gas gauge was going like that. And after every hour, it was just getting lower. And I, I stopped it and I said, okay, God, this is getting serious. <laughs> got to do something here. I got to find my way out of here because I don't want to get stranded out here in the middle of this nowhere forest, like on the backside of the mountain and, and out of gas. And there were no street lights. There's no electric. There's nothing out there. It's totally isolated. It says, God, I need help. Can you please help me and show me the way how to get out of here? Because if you don't help me, I, I'm I'm going to be stranded here without fuel and without anything and no way to get home. And says, so please, if you, Lord, please help me. And so I prayed this simple little prayer, put it back in gear. Ten minutes later, I was out on the main highway. Stupid, why didn't I pray earlier? <laughs> you know, I waited two or three hours wandering around instead of doing what I should have done in the first place and praying and ask God to help me out. You know what? God will direct your path. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, he will direct your path. If we'll let him, he'll direct our path just like he has done ours. And over the last 26 years that we spent in Nicaragua, we've reached out to minister to the Nicaraguan people and that paths have taken some incredibly exciting places. Amen. Uh, there's this one pastor, Nicro, that I'll never forget. His name is Brother Juan Gudiel. And every time we would see him at a conference or something like that, he would say, Brother Nick, when are you going to come visit my church? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm coming to your church. But when? Well, you know, let me check my calendar. He said, what's the problem here? Well, his church was in the middle of the jungle was the problem. And, and it wasn't so easy to get to this place. And he kept on, you know, a year, I, I tell you, every time, a couple times a year, several years until finally, I mean, it got to be so embarrassed. I said, okay, all right, I'll go visit your church in the middle of the jungle. So how do you get there? It, well, 
started out, left in our trusty four-wheel drive vehicle, and we drove for six hours until we couldn't go anymore, and I parked outside of this ranch house. And there at the ranch house, they had horses waiting. Now you got a clue what's ahead. <laughs> we couldn't get there in a four-wheel drive vehicle, and so they had these horses, so I parked the car, and, and I looked at the horse, and he looked at me. <laughs> Okay, let's do this. And so I, I climbed onto the horse and, and we began to head off back into the jungle. And, and I, I was really concerned because our president, Brother Garcia, had told stories about the last time he went to visit this church. And, and that's part of the reason why I was a little bit concerned about making this trip. Because while he was making this same trip on horseback, because you see, uh, it wasn't just some flat little road, but in this particular area, the jungle, there's hills and then there's deep ravines and hills and then there's some streams and then there's this big river. And while he was going up and down one of those ravines, a huge rainstorm hit like, and you haven't seen rainstorm until you see a big monster. Trying to grab a hold of branches or anything they could to not get swept away. And I think, dear God, is that what's waiting on me? What if it rains? But the Lord was very grateful. Um, no flash flood happened that time. But we rode for hours and hours up and down those ravines and reforged streams. And then we got to this huge river. And so they took off the tackle on the horse and they said, smacked them, said, okay, swim across. And the horses swam across. But fortunately, they had this little canoe for me. And so, you know, I climbed in the canoe with my bag and my Bible. And, and they took me across and we got back on the horses and rode forever and ever and ever again until we finally got there. And the pastor was so excited to see us. And we had church. I don't, you'd, you'd say, well, this is you know, this must be typical of Nicaragua because we had church until the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> and, and I guess it's true in many, especially whenever there are places where uh, guest speakers don't come very often, you know, once a year if, at best. And so when they come, you know, they're going to get everything they can out of. <laughs> so we had church and we church and after church, we had song fest and sang and, you know, like seeing around the campfire sort of thing. We're out there in the middle of the jungle. There's no electricity or other kind of lights or anything. And so this went on and on. And, and so I'm sitting there with the pastor and his wife and his kids and, and has this humble little shack like of a house. It, it basically, it was a front porch and it had um, a living room sort of thing, a little lean to kitchen and, and a bedroom. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm taking census here and I'm thinking, OK, one bedroom, pastor, wife, two kids. Where do I sleep? <laughs> <laughs> there are no Motel 6 out there. <laughs> Nobody left the light on for sure. <laughs> and so finally I summoned up the nerve and I said, uh, Pastor, where do I sleep? <laughs> and he said, oh, don't worry. We, we dug a hole for you out under the front porch and we got a hammock strung and that's where you're going to spend the night. Me? There? <laughs> Okay, so I headed down under the front porch and climbed into the hammock, and, and, and fortunately they had this little bit of a rope, so I tied a rope to the post of the porch and laid in the hammock, you know, and kind of pulled on the rope and rocked myself to sleep. <laughs> 
Well, you just never know what's going to happen <laughs> when you're out there serving the Lord. <laughs> and of course, I survived the night, survived the skeeters and everything else and, and made the long ride, horseback ride back. I was never so glad to see my car. <laughs> Even the six hours back in the car was better <laughs> compared to that. Uh, do you wonder why I tended to hide every time I saw that pastor coming in the next year. Oh no, please hope he doesn't see me. Hope he doesn't invite me to go back there again. Wasn't that just last year that I visited you? No, it's been two years now. But God is good, isn't he? Not every church that you visit, you go to by horseback. But another pastor was after me to visit his church, and his church was called El Sambron, which was basically a Spanish pronunciation of Sam Brown. I don't know uh, if pirates came up the river a century ago and founded a little settlement there and called it Sam Brown, but <laughs> that's what it was known, El Sambron. <laughs> and so Brother Herman was after me and after me again to come visit him, and the trouble was his church was in the jungle too, a different part of the same jungle. And so finally I said, okay, all right, I'll go. I mean, that's what missionaries do. You go, right? <laughs> and so I said, all right, I'll go visit your church. But uh, this jungle had a different path to get to it. And this path was by water. So the trick was you had to ride the bus all day long to get to where you could get to the water and make the rest of the way to this jungle church. And so I said, all right, I'm going to take the bus. Uh, folks, it wasn't a Greyhound bus. <laughs> no, it was a beat up old rickety school bus. You know, it's the, when they don't work, when they don't pass inspection here in the States anymore, they ship them down to Nicaragua and they use them for the next 30 years. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> they slap a coat of paint on them and put them, make them all look fancy with this same beat up old bus. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I'm smart. Yes, sir, I'm smart. And because I'm smart, I've got this all figured out. I am going to get the best seat on. If I got to ride this bus all day long, at least I can pick the best seat. So I'm going to be the first one on that bus. And the minute they open that doors for passengers, I was the first one. I mean, I don't even, I don't know. Maybe if I pushed anybody out of the way or whatever, but I was the first one on that bus and I raced all the way to the back of the bus. And I said, I'm getting me the best seat on this bus. And I picked the last row on the bus. <laughs> Guess I'd forgotten the days I rode bus as a kid to school. <laughs> But I did. I went all the way to the back and, and I said, and you know what? I want a window seat because I'd heard stories that they pack these buses out until you can't pack any more in them. And so, so if, if everybody else has to go standing, yours truly is going to be sitting down by a window where I can breathe. And so I did. I picked me out the last row, a window seat. Yes, I did because I was smart. And sure enough, people piled into that bus. Every seat was taken. We packed in like three adults to every one of those school bus seats. <laughs> and, and when the seats were all filled, more people came and they packed that thing out until they were all standing like two or three deep in the aisles hanging on to this bar up there. And I'm just sitting there grinning because I was so smart. I got my window seat. <laughs> and we took off. 
And, and, and that highway, it's, the highway is still there today, but thankfully in the last 25 years, they finally got around to paving it. But back in those days, it wasn't paved and there were chuck holes, every little whipstick and, and that old bus, I think it hit more than it missed and we're bouncing and bouncing and bang, bang and jostling around and everybody's, you know, bumping into each other. And this went on for hours and hours and riding and, and it was hot. Can you imagine having all that many people in there all sweating and packed in together? And it was hot. And, you know, I think for my window seat and it was just it was so hot. And then I felt it. I felt the drops coming in the window, smacking me on the cheek. And I said, oh, good, it's raining. And I turned to somebody standing up and I said, senor, isn't this great? It's raining. And he said, no, senor, it's not raining. I said, excuse me. I know it's raining. No, senor, it's not raining. But I know it's raining. You see, I feel the drops on my face. You say, senor, that's not rain. You see the lady on the front row up there? She got her head stuck out of the window. She got seasick and she threw up. Thank God for the rain. Amen. You just never know what's going to happen <laughs> when you're a missionary. <laughs> well, somehow I survived the rain. And we got to El Rama, which was the jumping off point. If you've ever read a Louis L'Amour novel, you know, the, the old scene in the Wild West where you got this board, wood board type hotel with the hitching post out front where they're tying up the horses. Well, that's what it was. The hotel was was this boarded up board type hotel with a woodboard porch and literally there were no cars parked there, but there were a whole bunch of horses parked there. And they were all tied up there and they took me to my room and they showed me my room and there's this little wood tiny little wood board section there and there's a piece of foam about that big and that was my mattress and, and there were no air conditioning folks. <laughs> I felt blessed that they even had this little rickety fan that was trying to blow a little bit of hot, hot air around. And I looked around the room and I said, where's the restroom? Where, where you take a shower? And they said, oh, that's out back. Really? Yeah, there's no running water here. And so they showed me to this little cubicle out back. Again, another boarded up thing in a ricky door. And opened it up and inside there's like this little horse trough and with some stagnant water in there and a little plastic bucket. I said, there's your shower. Oh boy. You know, dip the bucket in the stagnant horse trough and, and so we got all bathed. And of course the walls were all paper thin and so you know this is a wild west outpost type place and you get all kinds of sounds all night long and carrying on and, and early the next morning it was time to get up and we headed down to the dock and there were these little boats that was going to take us up the river to get to into the jungle where I was headed and so I looked at that boat and I go where's the seats what do you mean seats? Where's the seats? Where do we sit? He said, well, don't you see those little planks there? It's like there was four planks from front to the back of the boat. And he says, pick a plank. 
And so I picked the plank and I sat down and pretty soon other people started sitting down beside me, you know, there and the plank, you know, was big enough for about three good sized adults. But, you know, five of us were sitting there all squished together and five on the next one, five on the next. One. The boat was full of people. And I said, well, thank God everybody's on board. We can get this, go, this trip on the way. Well, I said, no, we're not ready to go yet. What do you mean? We're all here. No, but the, we're not all here yet. And they started to bring big hundred-pound sacks of beans and rice, and then they bought these huge, big old racks of bananas. And and I, oh, okay, well, we got all the soup cases and the bags and the beans and the rice and the bananas. And oh no, we're not done yet. And so then come the dogs and the cats and maybe a pig or two. You know, by the time they got everything on board, you know, this boat is sitting right down like this. You know, about that far above the water line. <laughs> Says, okay, now we can go. And the captain cranks up this huge, huge 150cc Evernrude or something. I don't know, some humongous big horse, horsepower motor. And that boat literally took off. And we began to fly down that river and going about 30, 40 miles an hour. And, and you could feel the wind just blowing through your hair. And I thought, now this is nice. Yeah, this is the way to travel. I can do this. And we're flying down this river for like 30, 40 miles an hour. And it felt so great. And about an hour and a half into the trip, however, another one of those famous monsoon rains hit. Have you ever been going 40 miles an hour on something when in the rain? It feels like, you know, they're driving nails into your face and into your head. Oh, no, what are we going to do? And the captain says, no, no problem, no problem. We have plastic. And he pulls out this big roll, this big black plastic, and they start unrolling that thing. And it's just wide enough for the size of the boat and from the front to back. And so everybody on this side and everybody on this side, they're, they're grabbing hold of the plastic and hanging on there because we're going 40 miles an hour and the wind's whipping and the storm's roaring and the rain's coming down. And, and I thought, thank God I'm sitting underneath the plastic, at least those poor guys on the side, they're getting so cold onto this thing. But I'm in the middle. <laughs> and then I looked up and saw the plastic had a hole in it. <laughs> and the hole was right above me. <laughs> and all that rain coming down onto this little temporary roof just found the hole and it began to pour down on yours truly and soaking me in my clothes and everything. And so we're going down through the storm in the midst of all this and the rain pouring down on me. And, and then the boat stopped. It stopped dead right in the middle of the river in the middle of the storm and I went oh and what now I said, captain what's wrong now did the engine break down no engine's fine well why are we stopped then because this is where you get off what do you mean me get off we're in the middle of the river Am I supposed to swim to shore or what? I ain't, I ain't swimming in that river. There's crocodiles, there's snakes, and there's all kinds of things in that river. He said, no, no, the pastor's coming in this little canoe to meet you. And, and here comes this itty-bitty little canoe about this wide, you know, with a half-horse little motor on the back of him. Boom, 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 boom. And he drives up and he parks right beside our boat in the middle of the river. And he says, and they start grabbing my bags and they threw them down in the canoe. He says, okay, now, pastor, just, just jump down into the boat. Says, you want me to jump into that little boat? What if it tips over? What, what, you know, what if I fall in the river and those crocodiles and the snakes? And well, they, they had to work on me, but I finally said, okay. And I, somehow I made it down into that little canoe. And so the pastor and I, we started boom, 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 going, heading back up the side waters, back up into the jungle. 
And after a while of traveling like that, we got to the landing and there was the church building and everybody was excited to see us and the storm stopped, thankfully. But when it stopped, that intense jungle sun began to burn. And so all of that rain turned into humidity and all of your wet clothes that you're wearing, you know, started steaming into the, and he says, it's time for church. <laughs> really? Yeah, so you'll, you'll want to get changed for church. And so I grabbed my bags and I pulled out clothes that were semi-dry. <laughs> At least they were a little drier than the ones I was wearing and put them on. And we headed over into the church building there on the side of the river in the middle of the jungle. And there were folks there and they, were, and they started church and people were just praising the Lord. And everybody had their hankies out and they were just going at it. And, and you know, there was no electricity or anything like that. The, the only light in the building was these little little kerosene pots with wicks in them. And that was the light that they had around the building. But those folks were in there, man, they were just going at it and they were praising the Lord and they had their handkerchiefs out. And it, it was awesome. They were just worshiping the Lord. And I was so impressed. I said, I can't believe how these people are worshiping with their hankies and everything. I've never seen anybody worship God like that before. And then all of a sudden I realized why they had those hankies out there. Because you see, the, there was millions of these mosquitoes like this big, great big old things. And there were millions of them and everybody's in their church. Hallelujah. Get off of me. Praise the Lord. Leave me alone. Thank you, Jesus. Go away. Hallelujah. Glory. Get off, me. get off of me. All throughout the service and I got my hanky out and I was waving with the best of them. But you know what? In the midst of the jungle with no electricity, with no running water, nothing of the commodities that you and I enjoy in life, there was a group of people out there that were praising and worshiping God. And the power of God fell in that place. And people were being filled with the Holy Ghost in the middle of the jungle, in the midst of the mosquitoes, in the midst of everything out. God was pouring out of your spirit. And you say, Brother Nix, why in the world would you do something like so crazy as to go out into the jungle to the place like that because there were people there that are hungry for God and when you saw what God was doing in their lives it made it worth everything it took to get there and said so I bet you never went back there again <laughs> actually I did my mom and dad came to visit us in Nicaragua in the latter years of their lives and my dad says you know what I want to I wanna do a real missions trip. <laughs> you know, not one of those nice missions trips from the States where people, you know, go and they stay in five-star hotels and ride an air-conditioned bus to the church service. <laughs> no, I want to do real missions. I said, Dad, I got just the place. <laughs> yep, that's where I took him. <laughs> well, we had a time. He slept in a hammock there in the middle of the night. We got, everybody got up to go to a fellowship meeting in Bluefields, which was on the Caribbean coast, a couple hours away from there. So we, we began to ride through that. And a couple hours into that, the motor on our boat broke down this time. It really did break down. And we were stranded out there and the sun began to blare. And it was an incredible experience. When we finally got back to Managua, my dad's face was all bright red and his lips were parched and cracked and bleeding from the sunburn. And, and my mom says, what did you do to him? 
But you know, that trip was a trip that changed his life. And and for the rest of his life, he told people about how he got to do real missions. (laughs) He did tell my wife, Yvonne, though, he says, if if you ever want to go to Bluefields, fly. Don't go by boat. (laughs) Thankfully, we did go to Bluefields and Sister Nick's rope went with me by airplane, not by... But, you know, God is so amazing how he just gives us beautiful opportunities that, that last for a lifetime. Speaking of taking Sister Nick's to trips, I found just the place for her to go because I said, honey, you can go with me to this church because it's a safe trip. <laughs> We're going to a big city. No jungle, nothing like that. We're going to a big city. We can drive there and we can come back home in the same day so you don't have to worry about where you're going to sleep or anything. So, okay, good. Let's go. So we drive to Matagalpa and we get to this barrio on the outer edges of Matagalpa called Lucidia Mantilla. And, and so we climb out of the car and once again I have my trusty keyboard and PA system and power supply and all of that. And we get there and I meet the pastor, and, and I'm looking around, and I said, Pastor, where's the church? I don't see a church. He says, he pointed up the top of this humongous big hill. He says, up there. He says, oh, great. <laughs> and how are we supposed to get up there? Well, don't worry, you know, we're, we're going to carry all your stuff up there. Yep. But, you know, we're in church shoes and Sister Nix is in her church shoes with a little bit of a heel on them. You know, want to make a good impression. And he says, don't worry, we, we carved steps out of the earth, you know, literally carved steps going up the side of this huge hill so that you can get up to the top. But what he failed to mention was that the night before, even though they had carved these steps, the night before it had rained. You know what happens to dirt steps after a nice rain? (laughs) You know, they're not nicely shaped anymore. They're kind of like, so here's Sister Nix and I, we're we're trying to climb up in our church clothes and all that, go up these steps, and it's getting worse by the minute after every step, and pretty soon we're starting sliding, and you know, and she grabs onto me, and and I slid, and then, you know, I tried to grab on her and slid, and it looked like a comedy between, you know, just sliding. Every step we took up, like two steps, we slid backwards, and we're trying to grab onto barbed wire fence on the side, trying to grab a tree branch or something. I don't know how we made it to the top of that hill, but we did. <laughs> but you know what? When we got up to the top, all covered in mud and sweaty and all of that, there was a group of people that was hungry to hear the word of God. What am I trying to say? The Lord will direct your path if you're willing to walk it. Hello? See, that's the key. God has a path for every one of us. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't really envision our path that day being up the side of a muddy mountain, but <laughs> God does have a path. And if we're willing to walk it, it'll be an incredible an incredible adventure. Now, I couldn't finish talking about Nicaragua without talking about children's ministry. And I'm so thankful for the children and the young people and hyphen that are here today. 
Before we came to Nicaragua, the basic church philosophy was kids don't count. You say, what? Absolutely. I asked him, well, how many folks do you have in your church, Pastor? And he said, well, we have 20 adults. I said, okay, 20 adults, but what about the kids and all that? Oh, we don't count the kids. <laughs> they, don't, they don't matter. I tell you what, we had a burden for children. Is that you know that that you know this can't be you know I, I, I'm glad for your excitement and fervor for the winning adults to the Lord, but we got to do something about the kids. And so in 2002, we had the first ever children's crusade. We managed to persuade the board to to put together a crusade specifically for reaching children. And of course, some of the board members were a little dubious given the philosophy that they had. And one of them asked me point blank in the board meeting that when we we're discussing the details for this crusade, he said, Brother Nix, do you think children can even receive the Holy Ghost? They did. I promise you. They asked me that. And I said, well, why don't we just find out? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> And so the Lord blesses to have Sister Lynn, missionary Lynn Jewett from Guatemala, who has been tremendously, tremendously used in children evangelism. So she came and, and she began to minister to children on their level. And the first night, he said, well, you know, you probably only had a handful showed up. Well, the first night we had it in the headquarters church, a thousand kids showed up. They bust them in from everywhere and they couldn't, the people couldn't believe it. A thousand kids, they were, they had them packed up and down the aisles. They had them packed in front of the platform and everywhere you could put kids. They packed them as a good thing. The fire marshal in there <laughs> that day, but they packed them in and God began to pour out his spirit and it grew so big. The next two nights we moved it from there and we rented this huge gymnasium. 2,500 kids showed up in that rented gym. Amen. The end result after those three services was 450 children were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. My answer to that board meeting, that board member was, yes, they can. Children, young people can be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It works. And as a result of that crusade, children's ministry in Nicaragua was born. And the Sunday school department, which had never, ever existed before, was born. And great things began to happen. A couple of years later, we were blessed to have Sister Angie Clark come. And she began to work in a Sunday school seminar for the teachers. And her focus was on kids' prayer. And she put another novel out, a novel idea out. And she said, not only can children be ministered to, but I believe that children can minister to others. Really? Yes. And so she began to teach the Sunday school teachers about how to involve their students in ministry to each other, to other students and other people. And on the final day of that seminar, they brought in numerous Sunday school children in there and began to focus the children on this concept of children praying for others. And so she said, all right, we're going to put this into practice. 
Anybody here need a miracle? And they had several of these children lined up that had been taught about kids' prayer. And the lady raised her hand. She said, yes, I have this terrible issue going on in my stomach that's been bothering me for several months. And the pain is so bad, I cannot, I haven't eaten in months. All right, come on up. They indicated one of the children. One of those children came up and laid hands on her and began to pray for her. And instantly the Lord healed her. The pain disappeared from her body. And that day she ate a lunch that she hadn't been able to eat for two months. In that same seminar, missionary Lisa Shrekheis, from, then from Honduras, had, had been nearly paralyzed with a horrible pain in her neck. She was unable to move her neck whatsoever because of the horrific pain that was in. And I'll never forget when little Janeri Chacon, a pastor's daughter, was brought up and this 10-year-old girl laid her hands on Sister Shrekheis and began to pray for her in Jesus' name. God touched her and she was instantly healed. Hallelujah. It matters. Children can do something great for God. Young people can do something great. Now let me close with this because I know my time is over. But I, I see these young hyphen students, young. Well, I know you're not young, but young to me. <laughs> I see you here today, and, and it makes me remember something that was so incredibly impactful. You remember that our board members didn't think that little kids could even receive the Holy Ghost. They, they didn't believe that young people in general even mattered at that point. But in our early, in somewhere in our first 10 years in Nicaragua, um, a group of young people came on a youth on missions trip from Souls Harbor in Bellevue, Florida. And that was an, an epic trip that changed their lives and it changed our lives forever. These young people came to Nicaragua and, and their lives were impacted. They had fun. They painted churches and I think they painted each other a little bit too while they were doing it. But their lives were powerfully impacted by what they experienced on the mission field, but it didn't stop there. They made a difference in Nicaragua as well. They were on fire for God and they were unashamedly in love for Jesus, with Jesus, and they weren't embarrassed to show it. And our eyes literally popped out of our heads whenever we watched them because in the service, they began to worship God openly. They got out of their pews and they danced in the aisle and they ran the aisles and they shouted and jumped and praised God and there was a fire in their lives. In fact, they were so on fire for God that their bus driver that drove them around, they prayed him through to the Holy Ghost on the bus. Hallelujah. And it was suddenly when our young people, you know, had always been told, sit down, shut up, and don't make trouble until you're an adult and then we'll talk. But they saw these young people doing this and all of a sudden it was cool to worship God. And that group of young people lit a fire in our young people in Nicaragua. It totally turned them upside down because now it was cool to worship the Lord. Now it was cool to be demonstrative. And the influence of that group totally changed everything. And out of that 
came a ministry, a youth ministry began to happen in Nicaragua because suddenly it was okay to be on fire for God. Suddenly it was, and they began to demand powerful youth services. They began to, to demand, you know, the something that could they could be involved in. And God opened up a national level youth ministry in Nicaragua. And Brother Elias Garcia was one of those young people in that service when the youth on mission trip came. Today, he is a national youth president of Nicaragua. And they are sweeping the country with a powerful move of God. I'm telling you, it's exciting living for God. God bless you this morning.